people. Let's stand up and rejoice this morning. Think of his amazing grace. 
likes the chance. God's good, right? I always have a problem with, like, church music, you know. I feel like, you know, it becomes this, like, thing of, like, it becomes the worship. It becomes, like, the people think we focus on, you know. And music just is such a small part of, of coming into God's grace, you know. And I just, um, you know, so every Sunday I kind of struggle with the whole vibe of modern worship, you know. Does anybody here struggle with that? Like, it's kind of like kind of this performance art. And it's not really, like, it kind of has to be a little bit of that, but really... You know, this, these songs we sing, you know, we really just want to capture God's heart and, and sing about and, and proclaim that we want to build our life around Him, right? So let's just sing this song, you know, don't, don't focus on like the pretty melody and the pretty chords and just, uh, just focus on God's beauty and His grace and, you know, what you want to, you know, you want to proclaim, we're going to build our life upon your, your love and your, the, the rock, your foundation. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Sing it out. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, Worthy, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Holy. Holy, there is no one like.
So at this time, we're going to ask for uh, an offering. Just going to have Michelle lead out from prayer as we get into this next song. You know, again, you know, <laughs> we're just uh, we're just singing words today. You know, it's really what 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 you what you take from it, what you what you want to sing to God. That's really where it comes down to. So we're going to offer offer our finances, but we're also offering our heart today. Gracious Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your presence in this place. And Lord, we just ask that as people bring their gifts to you, Lord, that you would bless them and that you would use it for your work and just continue to let your spirit flow in this place today. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Places where I'd want your name. Show me 
Maybe seated at this time. You can send our kids off to the shoreline. You can stand and greet one another. Sorry, stand back up and greet one another. Stand and greet everybody.
Genesis 16, 1 to 2. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slaved, slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. All right, good morning. So um, welcome to Haven Community Church. If this is your first time here, we are glad you joined us this morning. Um, Pastor Jack is away, and I am here filling in. I'm Debbie DiVirgilio, for those of you I don't know. Right now, we're going to go to the Lord with our prayer request. Um, We have a request from Lisa Osborne for her neighbor, Peg, who has lung cancer. And she has a friend named Mary, and God knows the need there. Debbie Chadwick has requested prayer for her daughter-in-law's brother, um, Vin Vin Genusa. He's been recently diagnosed with lymphoma. They'll find out more this coming week, but he's like 23 years old and newly married. Um, Holly Kipp has asked for us to pray that she'll get full time at work. And she has a co-worker who's battling cancer, and she wants us to join with prayer. Um, with her in prayer that the co-worker will beat the cancer. Taylor Dixon has asked um, for her for prayer for Matt to have a safe flight on next Sunday for his second trip to Texas. So let's um, go to the Lord in prayer. Dear precious Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us all here together this morning. And we know, Lord, that you've put us all here for a reason. You want us to be with you. You want us to hear your word. And it's not by accident that each of us are here. Lord, we come to you this morning, and I'm sure there are many requests that were not put on paper, but we all have heavy hearts. We all have desires that we would like to see happen. And Lord, that's just part of living in this world, that Things aren't going to work out sometimes, but Lord, we know that you are the God of creation and that you can intervene. And we pray, Lord, for these requests for the young man who's been diagnosed with lymphoma. We pray that you will lay your healing hands on his body. Give the doctors the wisdom they need that they will know how to treat it and make him whole. We pray for Holly as she looks for a new or her job that she'll become full time and she'll have the, the finances and the resources to do all the things that she needs to do. We pray for her coworker who's battling cancer. We pray for Lisa's friends that um, are battling cancer and, and for the unspoken need there. And we just pray for every need that's been um, lifted to you in our hearts and in our minds, that Jesus, you'll meet these needs and heal them so that we can proclaim your name above all names. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so it is the end of February. Can you guys believe that? And we haven't had any snow. Does that, you're clapping? Does that make anybody happy? All right, it makes me really sad. Does anybody else sad about that? Thank you. Yeah, if we could have one big dumping snow... Yeah, yeah, I am missing some snow. 
Um, I have said at my office that we're going to have a snow day. I'm going to proclaim a snow day, whether it snows or not. All right, so we have a few vis uh, vis announcements in the bulletin. I just want to bring your attention to um, the youth group. Last week, they came up and did a presentation, told us about their experiences with youth group. And there is a table out in the lobby if you'd like to stop by and get more information about the things they're doing. Um, they'd love to talk with you. We also have Stephen Ministers available, so if you are facing a crisis or you have a struggle that you'd like someone to work through that with you, um, feel free to email. The address is there and get yourself a Stephen Minister. Paris Foundation's coming up on March 15th. Card Ministries meeting after church today. And we're excited. We have a brand new group for young ladies from about junior in high school through about their second year of college um, that's meeting on Sundays at 4 p.m. So if that fits you, if you're in that age group, we'd love to have you join us um, on Sundays at 4 p.m. So today, we're going to continue the series that Pastor Jack has been doing on running with the big dogs. And this series has been about um, heroes of the faith. And so far, we've studied Samson. We've looked at Esther and Elijah, and Rahab. Today we're going to talk about Sarah. And what we've learned through each of these big dogs is that each of them had their downfalls. None of them were perfect. And if we were picking teams, honestly, we'd probably not pick these people. But that's exactly why God used them to show us that it's not about us, it's about him and what he can do through us. So today's big dog, Sarah, will remind us once again that it's not about us and that nothing is impossible with God. Since we're talking about dogs and Pastor Jack has been sharing a dog joke every week, I have a dog joke for you. So there are three little boys on the sidewalk and they see a fire engine going by and the fire engine has a dog in it. And they are looking and trying to figure out what the dog's job is. And the first says, well, maybe his job is crowd control. And the second says, nope, he's the mascot. And the third little boy nods and he says very wisely, nope, his job is to find the fire hydrants. <laughs> All right, so let's go back to our theme verse that we've been using in this whole study. Um, it's found in Hebrews 12, 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So that's where we're starting from. And if we look at that, the great cloud of witnesses would be the Old Testament um, Bible heroes who have gone on and now they're in the stands. So I want you to imagine a, a track, um, some sort of spectrum, arena, that sort of thing. And all of the heroes of the faith are in the stands. And so they're there and they're cheering us on. And Sarah is going to give us her words of wisdom today. So Sarah is the first woman listed in the Faith Hall of Fame. 
but what do we know about Sarah? So let me give you a little bit of background about Sarah to help you understand who she was before we get into the things we can learn from her. So first of all, her name was Sarai. That was her given name. God later changed it to Sarah. But Sarah was the wife of Abram, who we commonly call Abraham because God changed his name as well. So Sarah was the wife of Abram, and Abram was a descendant of Moses, or Noah. So remember, Noah had three sons, and one of them was Shem. Shem was the great-great-great-great-grandfather of Abram. So that tells you where Abram came from. We read in Genesis 11.30 that Sarai was childless. In other words, she couldn't have any children. And she was also, we also know she was very beautiful. She was a knockout. So she was childless and she was beautiful. But if you've ever experienced something like being childless, you know that, that beauty and all those things that you have don't really matter because Abram was a rich man as well. But that didn't matter to Sarai because all she wanted was a baby. So in Genesis 12, God made a covenant with Abram. And he said, I want you to go into a land far away and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And so Abram took his wife, Sarah, and their nephew, Lot, and they went into a land far away. Now, I can imagine that they're probably sitting around their table, maybe around their campfire outside their tent where they cook their meals, and they're probably chatting about this, as husbands and wives do, maybe before they lay down at night and while they're eating dinner, they're drinking their coffee, they're talking about this. And, there's, and Sarah's saying, you know, I just really want a baby. I don't understand. God says we're going to be making a great nation. How are we going to make a great nation when there's two of us? This just doesn't make sense. And so you can imagine as you experience those deep hurts in your life and you rehash them over and over and over with your spouse because that's a safe place, that's probably what Sarah and Abraham did a lot of the time. But Sarah has a, a very important message for us because she was getting impatient with God and tired of waiting. And so when you can't understand God and impatience threatens to overwhelm you, remember Sarah because Sarah made everything more complicated because she decided, God, I'm going to help you out. Have any of you ever decided to help God out? Let me help you, God. You're not moving fast enough, so I will just take care of this for you. And inevitably, when we do that, we mess up because we can't see the big picture and we can't see everything that God is doing. So we learn from Sarah not to complicate God's promise with our solution. Instead, we need to trust God. And that's one of our big lessons. But you know what? Trusting God sometimes is really hard when we have to wait. Does anybody like to wait? No. From the time we are very small, we don't like to wait. If you've ever had a toddler and, and they ask for a cookie and you say, wait a minute, 
they think you mean one minute, right? Because they're right back at you. And I was thinking about my children when they were eight, nine, ten years old, and they would say, can we do whatever? And I'd say, well, wait. And so then they would come back like an hour later and say, well, can we do it now? And it would be this repetitive cycle over and over and over where they don't understand the meaning of the word wait. <clears throat> well, honestly, the apple doesn't far, fall too far from the tree because even as we grow up, we don't like to wait. I did some research and found the AAA says that we spend, get this, 3,520 minutes a year waiting at red lights. We don't like to wait. That's horrible, isn't it, if you think about that? We also spend 32 minutes waiting every single time we visit a doctor. And I'm going to say that there are some doctors that you spend more time waiting, right? We also spend six months of our lives waiting in line for things. That's a long time. So even though we don't like waiting, we should get used to it with all that waiting that we're doing. But Sarah was waiting and waiting. Now you can imagine. So when she got married, she was probably thinking, okay, we'll have a baby in a few years. And then the baby didn't come. And they waited and waited and waited. And she probably thought, all right, I'm 25, okay. I'm 30, 35, 40. 45, okay, I still know some people who've had babies at 45, 50, 55. This baby's not coming. And so she decided, I'm going to help God out. I'll just take matters into my own hands and I'll fix this. But the first lesson we have to learn from Sarah is that we have to trust God even if it takes a long time. Even if it takes a long time. And in Genesis um, 18 verses 1 and 2, we read that Sarai, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. Okay, so here's what the Debbie version is. I can imagine they're sitting around now because she is so, wants a baby so bad, she's rehearsing this over and over in her mind. Now, you all know that's how we do it, right? We play it over and over in our mind, and we start thinking, well, if I did this, I, this could happen. If I do that, that could happen. And we start trying to fix things ourselves. And so I imagine one morning she got up, they're having their coffee, and she says, Abram, guess what? I have a plan. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you Hagar, my maidservant, and you can have a baby with her, and then I'll take that baby, and then we'll have, we can build our nation. So we'll have a baby. Now, if you think about it, that was dumb, right? And it was even dumber for Abram to agree to it. So husbands, if your wives ever say, this is what I want you to do, you say no, because it's dumb. It's not going to work. But here we are. Abram agreed to it. Abram agreed to have a baby with Hagar. 
And as you can imagine, this solution, so-called solution, caused a lot of problems. Because once Hagar got pregnant, she decided, eh, I'm better than you are. I don't need you. I have a baby coming. And they started fighting. They started fighting a lot. And so now Sarah goes back to Abraham and she says, listen, get her out of here. I don't want her here. I don't like her. You caused all these problems, Abram. It's your fault. So you fix it. Because Hagar thought she was better than Sarah. So she said, get rid of her. And Abram looked at her and he goes, uh-uh, she's your slave. You do it. You fix it. You figure out what needs to be done. So Sarah's answer to that, because she's female, and this is how females operate, she mistreated her. She's like, all right, Hagar, you're going to clean the dirtiest spots in the tent. You're going to carry all the water. Now, this isn't the Bible. This is just what I think. You're going to have to do all the dirty work. And she might have even said mean things to her and, you know, not treated her very well. So Hagar did what Hagar does, and she ran away. And as she's walking along, the angel of the Lord stopped her and told her to go back, and so she went back. So Sarah's plan didn't work, and she realizes the mess she made, and that mess is telling her, all right, I have to trust God. So now the story gets even more unbelieving. And we have to trust God even if it seems ridiculous. Because sometimes God's going to tell us to do ridiculous things. So we read in Genesis 18 that there were three visitors who came to visit Abraham. <clears throat> now, we have to imagine that this culture was very, very different than it, than it is today. Because if three strangers showed up on your doorstep, you probably would not invite them in for dinner. You probably would not wash their feet, and you probably would not have them sit and stay with you. But during that time when Abraham was on the earth, being hospitable was very, very important. So he welcomed the guest in, and imagine they don't have their roads like we have, so their feet were pretty dusty, and they had been walking. It was the desert, for goodness sake, so they were hot. There was no Chick-fil-A where they could stop and get a sandwich. And there was no hotel, no Hyatt, no Hilton, none of those where they could stop and spend the night. So Abram had them sit down and said, all right, you sit here and let me get you some water to wash your feet. And I'm going to have Sarah bake some bread for you. And he even went so far... Thank you. He even went so far as to say, I'm going to have my servants kill a calf for you and we'll cook a calf. So we know they were there for a while because that takes a while, right? To kill a calf, cook it, and serve it. So the three visitors came. And one says to, to Abram, well, where's your wife Sarah? And he's like, well, she's in there. Because it would have been the customs of those times. Sarah would not have come out because women didn't do those things. Women were behind the scenes. 
So we read in Genesis 18 that one of the um, visitors who happened, we now know, was an angel. And some people actually say it was Jesus himself before he was born in the New Testament. Said, then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in their years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I'm worn out and my master's old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Okay, so imagine this. When Hagar had her baby, we know that Abraham was about 86 years old. So now he's going to have a baby with Sarah. Sarah's about 90, and Abraham's about 100. So this is about as ridiculous as it can get because who has ever heard of having a baby at 90 years old, right? Is that something you'd want to do? No. But we have to ask, is anything too hard for God? Because this birth is humanly impossible. Sarah's body can no longer have babies. So we know that it's impossible. And if we continue reading, um, this scripture is not in your, your bulletin, but if we continue our reading, Sarah was afraid. And that's why she lied. And she said, I didn't laugh. What are you talking about? I didn't laugh. But honestly, if somebody showed up at your door and told you you were going to have a baby and you knew you couldn't have babies, wouldn't you laugh? Sure you would. And he said, when she said, I didn't laugh, he's like, oh, yes, you did. And so the angels went on their way. The visitors went on their way. And we have to remember to trust God even when those around you don't. Because you have to imagine now that as, these, as Sarah is going through, now imagine she had to go tell people, I'm going to have a baby. And they're like, yeah, right. No, really, I'm going to have a baby. And imagine about four months when she was four, maybe five months pregnant and her belly's starting to pop. Imagine, she's like, look, I'm having a baby. And they're like, yeah, right? Because to these other people, this was as ridiculous as you could get. So she had to believe even when those around her didn't. She had to trust God. Now, Genesis 21, you have part of it in your bulletin, but in Genesis 21, we read, now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. So Abraham gave him the name Isaac. 
to the son, Sarah bore him. And then we pick up with verse 6 that's in your, your bulletin. Sarah said, His God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this is going to laugh with me. And she added, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a child in his old age. Now, there's a couple things about this. Isn't it kind of cool that they give him the name Isaac? Because do you know what the name Isaac means? It means he laughs. So I imagine this is like a big joke to the world, right? Because here we have somebody, a man who's 100, a woman who's 90, and they have a baby. What a joke, right? Because you wouldn't believe it unless you could see it with your own eyes. Now, we can look at Sarah, and we, we look at her and we say, wow, you made a mess of things. You had a, your husband had a baby with your, your maidservant, and you made a mess. Because the Bible says that the two brothers would always fight. And guess what? They still are, even to this day. She had a lot of doubt. She had a lot of fear. She had a lot of wrong. And it took away the peace that God wanted for her. Because God wants us to each be at peace. But she made it into the hall of fame, of faith. And we look at Hebrews 11, 11, I'm sorry, 11, 1, and it says, And now by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. So here we have Sarah, even though she messed up, even though she took matters into her own hands, God said her faith was enough to make her into the Hall of Fame. So let's take a lap around the track. Remember, we're at an arena or some sort of sporting event. Let's take a lap around the track with Sarah to see what her big dog words would be to us. So one of the first words, one of the first messages Sarah would have for us is not in your bulletin. But I think Sarah would say, let your decisions be guided by faith, not by frustration or fear. Because how often do we let our decisions, we get afraid and we make our decisions based on frustration or fear. But God wants us to make our decisions based on faith. Sarah was married to a strong man of faith. But she had her doubts and her frustrations. She suffered as she didn't have babies during normal childbearing years. She received a promise that she would have to have a baby. Now imagine, if, as I went back and read through this, God told Abraham three different times, you're going to be the father of a great nation. And he's wondering, okay, I'm going to be the father of a great nation, and we have me? And my wife, how is this possible? So over and over, God promises to Sarah, you're going to have a baby, but she's going to have to wait 25 years for that baby from the first time God promised it. That's a long time to wait. And we think we have to wait long when we're sitting at a red light, right? Just to get where we want to go. Or when we're waiting on that perfect job to come along. So let's look at the 
big dog words that Sarah has for us. Her first one, don't try to get ahead of God when he isn't moving fast enough for you. Because when you do, I'm going to tell you, you're going to mess it up. When you take things into your own hands, you're going to mess it up. And we get all wrapped up and we're like, well, why isn't God moving fast enough? Second Peter tells us, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, although we often think he's too slow. As some understand slowness, he is patient. And the verse right before that, that's not in your bulletin, you know what it says? It says, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. So what does that mean to us? It means God's timing is not our timing. And that's hard, right? He is patient, and he doesn't mind waiting. Now, honestly, I think he doesn't mind waiting partially because he sees everything and he knows what's going to happen. And we're looking at our little portion and we're like, but God, I need you to do this. And God, I need you to do that. And he's saying, just wait, just wait. I see the big picture. And so he makes us wait until the timing is perfect. And we look at verse, um, Psalm 37, verse seven, and it says, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. And so as I think about this verse, be still in the presence of the Lord. Okay, so be still in the Bible can mean two different things. The first thing it can mean is to rest, like literally rest, take a nap, put your feet up, that sort of thing. But it also can mean the stillness of waiting. And that's what we're to do here. Be still in the stillness of waiting. Continue on with your life while you're waiting, knowing that God's timing is perfect and he's working everything out. Now, the second part of this verse, I think, is really important for us because sometimes we forget this. We tend to focus, when we're waiting, we tend to focus on all the good things that are happening for other people. We tend to look at other people's lives and say, well, yep, Look, they've got it together. This is happening for them. And then we say, God, why isn't it happening for me? It says, don't worry about other people, evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. In other words, keep your eyes on yourself. Don't worry about what's happening for other people. God's got it. And in his timing, it's going to happen for you. So when we must wait... We often focus on what's happening. When you must wait, we often focus on what's happening to us. But God says no, and Sarah would say to us, no, when you wait, when you must wait, focus on what's happening in you, not what's happening to you. So what does that mean? Well, when we're waiting, when we're hurt, and when we're waiting, we tend to focus on the wrong things because we focus on what we don't have. We focus on the circumstances that are not good. And we focus on what other people do have that we don't have. And we get all wrapped up into what's happening to us. And so we don't even allow us to look at what God is doing in us. Because you see, a lot of times... When God is working and we're waiting, he's getting us ready. 
I don't understand why Sarah wasn't ready to have a baby until 90. Perhaps so that we could have lots of stories about Sarah and the woman who had a baby at 90 years old. But Sarah would tell us as she's walking that lap with us that she kept her eyes on herself and what was happening or not and not what God was doing in her because God wants to grow us. You see, God cares more about what's going on inside of us than the circumstances we're dealing with. And God wants us to grow and learn from every situation we're placed in. So in Romans 8.24, in the message version, the paraphrase from the message, we read, This is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. But the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. So if we go back, waiting does not diminish us. We're enlarged in the waiting. We grow in the waiting. We can use our time of waiting for growth. We can use it as an opportunity. Or we can use it as a time when our doubts and our fears can grow. And so we have a choice to make. Are we going to use it to grow in the way that God wants us to grow? Or are we going to use it to allow bitterness and doubt to grow. Because when we focus on what other people have and what other people are doing and what they're accomplishing, that bitterness and that doubt is going to grow. But the longer we wait, as the more we grow, the more excited we can become as we see what God has in store for us. Because God does have something in store and he wants to use you. So... Sarah would also say, as we read in James 1, verses 2 through 4, consider it pure joy. Now, pure joy is not joy that you should have continuously. He's not saying that your only response should be joy. He's not saying that you should never be sad. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. All right, so let's talk about that word trials because nobody likes that word. Trials are simply test or temptation. So trial, think of it this way. A trial, an outward trial is a test. In other words, are you going to do something? A temptation is an inward trial. So we're all going to face trials. And those trials, those struggles that we face, they help develop our perseverance. Now, perseverance is persistence. And when you look that up in um, the Greek word, it actually means maturity. So now if we read it, you know that the testing of your faith develops maturity. That changes everything because none of us want to be babies or children forever. So we need to allow God to develop that maturity in us. He wants us to be mature and complete, not free from pain and struggles. Because if it's going to take a pain or a struggle to make us mature and complete, God's going to do it. 
So then we continue and it says perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So I would tell you to be patient because God's doing some work behind the scenes and in you, even when it feels like nothing's going on, even when you're waiting. So as we um, look at the final words that Sarah gives to us as she's walking this lap with us, Sarah, um, we look at the Bible verse, the scripture from Isaiah 64, 4. And it says, since before time, in other words, forever, since forever, no one has ever imagined, no ear heard, no eye seen, a God like you who works for those who work for him. In other words, we know God could deal with any problem or issue with ease. My, my sons used to say to me, Mom, do you think God could just let go and change things? And I'm like, well, yeah, he could. And they're like, really? And I remember praying one time for my car because my car was broken down and I was scared to death it was going to be a huge bill. And as I was praying, my son's like, Mom, what do you think God's going to do? Just go like this and fix it? And I'm like, well, he could if he wanted to, right? So he didn't, though. He didn't that time. He, he did make the bill cheaper, but he didn't completely fix it. So we have to know that God could handle any problem or issue with ease. And the reason he doesn't is because he's acting on our behalf of those who wait for him. So when we wait for him, God is working behind the scenes. And so Sarah would say, she would say, listen, even our very best cannot possibly compare to anything God has in mind. It just won't work. God reveals things to us on a need-to-know basis. And when we don't need to know, God does not reveal his will. As humans, we don't like that because we think we need to know everything. You know, it's kind of like if God said, told Sarah, let's say she was 25 and he said, listen, Sarah, you're going to have a baby, but you're not going to have it until you're 90. Imagine all those years from 25 to 90, how she would have been living in fear. I, my body's getting old. I can't do this. This isn't going to work. Instead, he let her know when she needed to know. And God lets us know what we need to know when we need to know it. And not a moment before. And it's during those times where we're wondering that we have to wait and we have to trust God. And so as the author, um, as the praise team comes, I have a quote for you from author and congressman Bruce Barton. And Bruce Barton, he lived um, at the end of the 1800s and into the early 1900s. And in addition to being a congressman, he was a marketing genius. He's the one who came up with the name for General Motors and General Electric. And he came up with um, the logo for Aunt Jemima, the pancakes and the syrup. He came up with that. And he said, just because we can 
does not mean we should. He said there's tremendous consequences that come from the little things. And it makes me think that there are no little things. So what does that say to us? We get all wrapped up and we think, oh, God, this is a little thing. I'm just going to help you out. But the little things are not really just little things. We need to be patient and wait on God and let him do his work. Let him do his God thing, right? Because we don't understand everything that's happening. So we have to trust him. So as you stand and we get ready to go to the Lord in prayer, I want you to remember it's easy to rationalize our decisions but our decisions, when we rationalize them, well, I did this because I was, you know, trying to do this, they almost always lead to regret. So I want you to think today, don't try to take matters into your own hands. Dare to trust him, even when you cannot see the outcome, because he's always, always faithful. And so I would say to you this morning, when you're unsure and when you're struggling and you're waiting, tell God you trust him. Just remind yourself by telling him, God, I trust you. God, I know you're working. God, I don't understand what's all happening here, but I trust you. Because he is working and he will be faithful. He will come through. And that's what Sarah would want us to know. God is working, but we have to trust him. So let's all stand and go to the Lord in prayer. I think most of us would say that there's probably an area of our life where we really struggle to trust, where we really struggle to say, yes, God, I do trust you, where we're not so good at waiting, where we try to manipulate or arrange things, or coordinate things. Those words that we use instead of manipulate, because manipulate's sort of a negative word. So we use words like coordinate and arrange and move the pieces around. For most of us, there's areas in our lives where we're trying to do that. And we're trying to help God out. But we're always going to mess it up. Because we need to wait on God and His timing. Because God has a plan, and he's saying, trust me. So let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Dear precious Heavenly Father, thank you for these words that Sarah was able to leave with us and from the lessons that we can learn from her life. We know, Lord, that we do need to trust you. But sometimes, Lord, we struggle. It's really, really hard. Because, Lord, we want things now. And we're so impatient. I pray that, Lord, you would guide us, each and every one of us, and show us, Lord, the areas in our lives where we need to trust you more, the areas where we need to wait, Lord, and just say, okay, God's got it. God's working on it. Because, Lord, we know that when we take matters into our own hands, we're going to make a mess of it. We just pray that you'll be with us and guide us. Help us, Lord, to live for you and to trust you in all things. 
because you are so trustworthy. Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. And even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Sing it with you are way better, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. perfect song, right? Waymaker. So as we were singing that song, um, God gave me a message for somebody here that is waiting. And there's somebody who's waiting and they're about ready to take matters into their own hands because they're tired of waiting. And God says, no, just hang on. He's got you and he's going to take care of it. So hold on tight and let God do the work because he's heard you and he's, he's going to move for you. And so next week, we're going to wrap up this um, series. Pastor Jack will be back and our, we'll wrap it up with Moses, our last big dog in this series. So go this week, be patient, persevere, and wait on God. And have a great week. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome.